It's the World Time Attack podcast, a podcast about the most exciting form of no-holds-barred motorsport known to this universe. Oh, Bakes, we just started, mate. <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome back to the World Time Attack Challenge Off The Record podcast. Today, we've got a couple of very special guests. So some key figures from the RP968 team. We've got the owner uh, of the RP968, the RP in RP968, Rod Pobistek. And we also have the driver of this record-breaking juggernaut, uh, Barton Moore. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Yep. Good to be here. So last, last time we spoke to you guys was the video that we created in 2019. Uh, and we had high hopes for the car and the, and the car did deliver. So we did see a, another 119 time, a 119.277, inching us ever closer to that outright lap record, uh, which undoubtedly um, in, in April we might get to see the, uh, the, the records tumble again. Uh, but as you know, this podcast is called Off The Record, so we're not here to talk about the record. Uh, we are here to talk about everything that happens outside of the track and everything that's led up to the journey that you gentlemen are here um, th to get you guys to the point today. So um, we reached out to our social channels and we got a few questions from our fans. Uh, something that they want to know about, uh, you know, the two key personnel of the, the RP968 team. So I might get started with you, Rod. Got a few questions here. Um, so, where, first of all, where did where did the story of the Porsche start? How did how did you how did this car come into your possession? Well, I started with the the nine four four Turbo, which is a similar sort of car, but um, I'd sort of heard a little bit about the nine six eight before that because it's sort of a, a change in Porsche's attitude in the in the in the late 80s when they decided to start changing the company so they they went back to fundamentals and wanted to make a car that they thought would really suit suit the future so it's the 50 50 weight distribution is the, the whole side of the car and that was and that was the big selling point for you over the the rear engine mid-engine 911s well look it's got a whole outsider element to Compared with a normal Porsche, but it's called a normal Porsche. <laughs> it's not really considered as a as a Porsche by the Porsche people. The purists. Yeah, yeah. They, they do look down on it, but that's part of the attraction. But it's also that it's it's made to be a proper car, right from the beginning, using Porsche's proper engineering, and getting and just getting everything the fundamentals much closer how they should be. Awesome, awesome. So that's 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 why you chose it as the base. So when you when you decided I'm going time attack racing. What was the vision there, or where did where did the vision begin? Did it begin as as track car for you? Like it, it started it started as a nine four four. It was a it was a road car. Yeah, and it turned into a track car, and then then I always did really want a nine six eight, but the nine six eight got a difference to a nine four four turbo. It's just a natural aspirated car. The nine four four turbo has got an incredible amount of, of potential in it. Mm -hmm. But the 968's just got a bigger engine, but and Porsche never got to turbocharge that turbocharge that car because mm. another another problem with Porsche at that time they were on the and they sort of gave up on the 968 before they finished finished wow. developing it. So and it seemed just a perfect platform, really. There you go. So how how did you get to enjoy the car before it became the uh, the the car that it is today? Well, I this car was specifically always bought to be modified to be a track car originally. And so I drove it a lot when it was naturally aspirated, a real lot. Um, it's a fantastic little car. Um, 
but then then I decided to turn it into a track car, and but we went we went down a route with a car which I wasn't really happy with, and then in two thousand and eight there's a lot of financial problems with the whole car and the whole the whole the whole project went off went off just finished yep. it was over that was the G- GFC time 2007 yeah, 2008 just, you know I ran out of money I couldn't do anything with it so it just sat idle for a long long time and then eventually I decided to, to sort of try and get get back onto it and then we just had a few meetings with some friends of mine and um, we're working on the car and we were just talking about what I wanted to do with the car and change the suspension lots of power mm. You know, lightweight things like that, and then you know, Diamo engineer said, "So you're going to build a time attack car?" And I just looked at him, and that's when I thought, "Well, yeah, that is what I'm going to do." And it just sort of, really, sort of came from that. And then, but it started off as a little project, and just went Snowballed. a lot, lot further. Yeah, yeah, completely. So, what inspirations did you have when you decided, "I'm, I'm, I'm throwing the gate open. I'm going to let this project snowball." What what other cars did you look up to at the time? Well, t- to be honest, I had a friend of mine, Patrick Garvin, who had a, a really fast 944 Turbo, who ran in some of the early time attack. So, and his car was good. It was fast. But I, I knew him pretty well, and I knew what he'd put into his car. And so I could see there was a lot of potential to do things. And I just, I just got a bit inspired by that. And then I think really when I... When I first met my aerodynamicist, Sam Diasonos, um, he was in the same garage as under Suzuki's car. And when, when I saw the, uh, <laughs> the rear of under Suzuki's car, that was pretty wow. You yeah. know, just wow, well, you know. What, ab- what about it? I mean, obviously, for people who aren't familiar with, uh, with under's car, what specifically about the underbody or was it just the big wildness of it? It, it is the wildness of it, but it's just such a... Just such a big diffuser there. <laughs> you know, it's just so big, and you think, "Wow, you can actually do that." Had you seen anything like that pr- prior no, to the time of that? Look, there's a few Group C cars like that, but nothing as dramatic <laughs> as that. And particularly, like it's, it's like when you've got a road car and you want to make it go fast. That's like a dream. You can, you've still got a car you can theoretically drive on the road. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of going fast, the jewel of the crown in the RP968 is the, the Thor engine, as it's become known, uh, the four-litre Porsche-blocked billet thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us more about how that came to be your selected heart for the RP968? Well, look, we, we, had a, we had a stock engine and we got to about 800 horsepower and we just knew we were right at the limit of it mm. and we just... Richard said to me, oh, look, we need a couple of hundred more horsepower. And we didn't really. We only needed 50 or 100, <laughs> really. But it just seemed, you know, if you want to go faster, you really want to, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, give it all. You want a bit give of margin everything. for error. Yeah. You know. Lovely. And then we just sort of, we just thought about what to do. And then, then I met Oscar from Elmer. And he's, he's a pretty sort of, well, why can't we do that sort of guy? And that's that's how it started from just a three liter billet block mm. that can take a real lot of boost into a big four liter thing that can really mm. really make a lot. Of all power. the boosts. Yeah. All well, the boosts. We haven't even got to all the boosts yet. <laughs> Which brings me to my next question. So, the car as it sits today has it reached the vision that you you expected for it, or is there still a way to go? 
No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Know, I don't really know how fast it can go, but you just see what we've done with the car and you know it, it should be going it should be going faster now. Yeah, right. So there's still much more left in the tank, eh? Hey? Yeah. It's interesting. So speaking speaking of driving, I'll, I'll, I'll move on to Bart now. So in, in terms of driving the car, no one's taken the car as fast as you have around the track. So, But apart from that, people want to know, who is Bart Mo- Barton Moore? Like, you know, a lot of people who don't, uh, who aren't familiar with World Time Attack or know that you've driven that car don't know that you've got such a long career behind you. So where did you start driving, Bart? Where, where did professional motorsport begin for you? Yeah, so I came up through the traditional ranks of karting, Formula Ford, and then Formula 3 is when I sort of started hitting my straps and finished runner-up in Australia to Michael Caruso in 2003 in Formula 3. So then I went over to Europe and raced Formula 3 over there and... And that was really good. That was obviously world stage at that time. And my budget only allowed me to race in the Class B category, Formula 3. So that's the older class cars. But we were racing against Lewis Hamilton. And um, in Europe, when we went over there and Nico. And then in England, it was sort of um, Nelson Piquet Jr. And a lot of those sort of guys. So it was just so good to be racing with at that level and pushing myself to get up to that level. And then I head over to America and racing from Atlantic when that sort of came to a new phase to, um, and they had a big prize pool to get to um, IndyCars. So that was against guys like Simon Paginaud and Graham Rahal and, and that was good, but I only completed half a, a season there. And then I tested with Australia in the A1GP team and stayed on there as a reserve driver. And after that, that sort of was the end of my open-wheeler career which for a lot of Australians racing open-wheelers overseas, unless you get to F1, it sort of just gets unnoticed, really. Oh, right, OK. So I probably had a, a more success and not a bigger profile, but certainly done more overseas than I had here. So then when I came back, um, I had a sponsor keen to do Courier Cup, Porsches. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and that sort of moved me over into the GT side of racing. I never got to go down the Vet supercar path, and that's where... The household names come about in this mm. country. But there's just so many other categories and things going on out there. And then I've just developed my um, career and, and my job, my income, is, is driver training and coaching and testing cars, mm. driving cars, and, and then and then racing when the opportunity comes. Yeah, awesome. So apart from the RP968 World Time Attack, what else are you driving currently? So GT. Mm-hmm. So I race with... Uh, Industry racing, Nick Kelly racing. So he's just shifted from an Audi R8 GT3 car to a Mercedes AMG. So I do the endurance races with him. um, And then I was involved pre-COVID with the S5000s when that all launched off with a Melbourne-based team. Mm -hmm. So pretty much um, just gun for hire. Anything comes up, I'm there. All right, you, you, heard, you heard it here first, everybody. <laughs> so, okay, so the, the RP Nights, I say, you've driven a lot of, you know, open wheelers, GTs, a variation of different race cars. The RP Nights, I is a very unique aero car. So how does having that huge aero package impact the way you have to drive it compared to, to let's say, a GT car or open wheeler? Yeah, it's, it's more like a big open wheeler. So from Atlantic cars we drove, they peaked at 4G lateral on a, positive camera corner and it's a bit more like that and the aero's a funny thing because obviously we're just building up more and more aero numbers but it's just blind faith Mm. you know you you just have to commit to these corners that beyond what your brain really thinks is Mm. reasonable or rational 
So I seem to suit the aero type cars. So, you know, the F3 cars and that seemed to be where I sort of excelled in, where the lower grip cars and the cars moving around, I don't seem to be as comfortable with. So it sort of seems to suit my style and, and I don't find it um, over daunting or, or anything. Probably just the hardest thing is just the nature of time attack is that we are literally doing single lap runs. Mm. Go out for the warm-up lap, as you know, we do our one flyer and we box. And even people in motorsport find that so foreign. So over a, a typical event, yeah, we might not only do, with practice, eight or ten actual runs at mm. best. Mm. So it's just trying to build up my understanding and, and the limit to get to justify in the car, mm. you know, what the speed can be. Mm-hmm. That's probably the hardest thing, whether yeah, it was exactly this car or, or, or a lower-performance car, yep. to get the best out of it, it still requires time. Sure. So for someone who hasn't gone faster than, let's say, a road car or a track car, how does the car feel to drive? Like, what would you compare it to? Is it more like a roller coaster or a bucking bull? Or how, how would you describe it to someone who hasn't driven a car at speed? I would liken it to a high-speed train that's on... Rails. Rails. Yep. Um, but those rails creak a little bit and they move <laughs> around and you just... And think, you're in control. And you just, go, you just stay on these rails and we'll be right. Yeah. So, t- obviously, the, the big turn at Sydney Motorsport Park is turn one and that you're doing that at speed and... and You've you've got a you've got a very unique mentality about that pinning it flat at turn one where a lot of people break. Is that still something that's uh, crucial to a fast lap for you? It, it it is actually because what happens with these cars is they they produce so much downforce that when you lift, if you're to lift fully off the throttle, mm. it's just like you're slamming a brake on in most cars. Mm. So a, a small lift there actually with the aero sucking the car to the ground so heavily actually punishes us a lot in right. time. It's also corner everyone watches that, and, <laughs> and it's pretty <laughs> obvious when you do live. Yeah. So it, 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 we have this discussion a lot because there's times when we're looking at the suspension, the balance of the car, where we sometimes give away a little bit of turn one to make sure it's, it's better or, or, or more suited other places. So mm. it's the hero corner, and undoubtedly it's one of the biggest corners in Australia. Yeah. Um, it's certainly a nice big box to tick when we say we're flat through turn one. Yeah, it's always nice to say, isn't it? So you've 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 won races, taken fastest laps, set pole positions. What are your essential tips for a fast lap? Around SMP in a in a time attack? Sure. <laughs> um it's it's actually a commitment with smoothness. So mm. you, if this car starts to slide, it's gonna keep sliding to a spin. Yep. Yeah, it, it, it's not, there's no drifting, there's no movement going on. Once we get to the point where there's movement, we're in trouble or something's wrong. So it's trying to build up to that point. Mm. Um, I mean, the other thing I, I think is so amazing with this whole package is that we're on the Yokohama AF50 road car, road legal tyre. Yep. And so you're always limited to the grip you've got, and that tyre just performs amazingly well. Um, but we need to treat that tyre with care. So even... In that one lap, mm. by the end of the lap, we're losing rear end grip. Mm. So coming out of turn eight hairpin, we're struggling for yep. traction. So we're also trying to manage that. So well, you come back to your question. Um, it, it's it's having commitment, um, but with smoothness and being assertive. Smoothness, being assertive. All right, I'll note those for my <laughs> next track day, mate. <laughs>
Um, so in, in, in terms of that, finding the limit of the car or cars in general, race cars in general, what's the biggest oh shit moment that you've ever had in a car? Um, well, unfortunately, it, it is blasted all over YouTube, as, as most oh shit moments are. <laughs> so it was Formula 3 um, at Monza. And uh, I, I had a, a tyre blowout coming into the parabolic of the last corner. Ooh, at speed. And just as I got on the brakes, uh, it let go. Uh, the rear drop, the front was unweighted, so I just speared off straight ahead. How fast were you going? Oh, I don't know, speed, but it was pretty fast. <laughs> you went and it was down. the only time I was it, I was so fast that the gravel trap didn't slow me up. I just get it across the top. Oh, jeez. And as I come to the wall, I just closed my eyes and I thought, well, that don't open, that don't open. That's, well. that's it, but... I have my eyes and walked out. Well, you're here now, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you've got to be thankful for that. And, well, you've raced at Monza. You've raced at Sepang. Um, is, there, is there a track somewhere around the world that you'd love to take the Porsche to or race around, it's knowing good, how it is to drive? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, nice timing. Formula One's just been to Coda, Circuit mm. of the Americas, mm -hmm. in Texas. And I went over there a year and a half ago to the Superlap Battle. They invited me over there, having come over here uh, to the time attack and so impressed with everything going on and and I went over there and drove in a, a much more sedate car um, and that was mightily impressive mm. that that first sequence the corners down there is really good I, I think cars like the top end time attack cars they need a Grand Prix type circuit mm. to to justify what they can do yeah it's good fun and a smaller track and we have actually tested at, at another circuit but you need something of the SMP type, colour and scale, the big corners where they really come into their own, and yep. that's where they perform. So, do you think Sydney Motorsport Park is kind of the, the venue for for Time Attack as we know it? I, I think in Australia, yeah, it, mm. the, the, the 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 circuit itself, I think, is a bit underrated, and maybe in terms of racing door handle to door handle, it, it is limited, mm. but to perfect a lap there. Is, is really difficult. It's got some mega corners. Mm. It's just the right length. Um, it helps. It's in our backyard. But let's let's take that out. Um, I, I think we'd struggle to 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 find a better place mm. um, for it to be. And the fact that it's been there for so long now, it's becoming the unofficial home. I think it's telling that that circuit and the facilities now just sort of fit. Time attack at the moment. Yeah, lovely. And looking forward to our next event, and this is a question I'll open up to both Rod and Bart. Um, so the three teams, MCA, Tilton and yourselves, you're in a title fight basically. It's been two years off. You don't know what the other camp's been doing. Um, you guys have only been focused. Is that is that the kind of strategy that the team employs? Or how, walk us through the process of, of dealing with your competitors in pro class. Look, I think we just try and make our car as fast as we can. Yeah, I want all the other cars to go as fast as they can. Mm. And th that would be good because that would push us more. But it, there's a lot more potential in this car than, than we've shown. So you guys have been sandbagging for the last <laughs> two years? <laughs> in retrospect, yes, in a way. <laughs> that, but that doesn't mean we're going slow. Yeah, that's right. We're just dealing with what we've got. Yeah. And how about you, Bart, from a, from a driver's perspective... Yeah, I think it's a good point Rod made there and I think the distinction needs to be made where when you're racing door handle to door handle, um, it, it breeds about a bit of viciousness. Mm. Yeah, and we see it, say, with the, the, the 
battle royale in Formula 1 at the moment. Sure, Verstappen, Hamilton. Yeah, yeah so the, the teams and the drivers and everyone around in each individual team end up, you know, making the other the enemy. Mm. And that's their driving force. Where time attack's a little bit like, um, a little bit like rallying. I, I talk to rallying drivers and they're, they're actually friends with the other drivers. And I think, how's that be? Everyone I race against, I end up either hating or they hate me because inevitably at some point you end up running into yeah. each other. But like Rod says, we're all there just to do our absolute very best. Just go the fastest we can. And where we stack up, we stack up. Mm. That's first, second or third, so be it. And I think it, it was one of the events we did where we, we did a good time. We were in the 19s. I jumped out of the car and it was just an instinctual reaction. Um, you know, the team came up, we hugged and it was a real celebration, even though the event hadn't completed. And then someone said to me later... Oh, that was a bit premature, wasn't it? And I was a bit sort of flabbergasted. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, well, well, you started celebrating and the event wasn't even over. And I was like, well, yeah, because we're so excited just with what we had achieved. Yeah, it didn't achieved matter if someone best. went quicker or mm. what would happen. We just knew where our yardstick was and we'd push that further. Mm. And so I think that's, that's the thing where we just focus on just doing what we can do. And, and, and these other guys are gearing up. You know, what Tilton have done... They've restructured their whole team. They've got Brad Shields in the car, who is massively underrated. Um, and then I'm not sure what Hammerhead are doing, but I know they're working hard. Yeah, yeah, I know they're working really quite So hard. it's on. You know, it's, it's, it's not... Um, uh, maybe we're going as favourites, but I, I wouldn't consider that. Yeah, so it, 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 when it's time attack, it's about going as fast as you can. It's not really about beating the other cars. It's just it's about, about beating the, the clock. fastest car. Yeah, so it's beating the clock rather than beating yeah, your competitors. It's really, it's it's not a personal thing. It's it's we can't we we don't want to make the other cars go slower. We want to make our car go faster. Of course, and everyone, I'm sure everyone is is, is in the same boat as well. So that wraps up all our um, our questions from our fans. What we're going to do? We're going to take a quick break. Let these guys have a drink of water. And we're going to come back for a new segment. All right, and welcome back. After that little break we had, we're going to get into this new segment. Uh, Rod and Bart will be the first ones to try these out. Yeah, so. Okay. <laughs> so hopefully it all goes well. Uh, and if it doesn't, it's okay. It's, it's our first day. So <laughs> we have nothing to blame. So, but the basic gist of the quiz, uh, we're calling it the one perfect quiz, of course. Um, we've already had a good chat and delved a bit into uh, the history of the car, the history of your driving experience. But these are just a few... Fun questions for people to know a few random facts about you. So it is called Getting to Know You, Getting to Know All About You. Oh snap, you didn't know? The one perfect <laughs> quiz. So are we ready? I'll, uh, I might start with Rod. I'm going to put a one minute timer on. I've got oh, 20 okay. questions here. All right. Are okay. we Are we ready? So, what was your first car? Austin Healey Sprite. What colour was it? Lime green. <laughs> What's your dream car? Um, uh, Alpha CZ, CZ. CZ, okay. Bicycles or motorcycles? Bicycles. What did you have for breakfast? Usually. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Beer or wine? Wine. What's your favourite meal? Uh, fish. Do you rather holiday at the beach or out in the country? Country. Summer or winter? Winter. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Cats. What's something that you can't live without? Oh, 
coffee. <laughs> uh, when's, when was the last time you Googled yourself? Oh, it would be two years ago. Do you speak any other languages? No. Uh, Batman or Superman? Batman. Favourite genre of music? Uh, classical. Uh, Favourite song? Uh, Alone Again or... Oh. <laughs> we almost got there in the end. Very good, very good. All right, Bart. All right. You've heard the questions. Yeah. You know the deal. <laughs> one minute timer. Are you ready? Yes. Let's play one perfect quiz. What was your first car? Ford Escort. What colour was it? Green. What's your dream car? Porsche GT3. Bicycles or motorcycles? Bicycles. What did you have for breakfast? Uh, special K. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Beer or wine? Beer. Favourite meal? Anything Ian Baker buys. <laughs> Beach or country? Uh, country. Summer or winter? Summer. Cats or dogs? Dogs. What's something you can't live without? Coffee. When's the last time you Googled yourself? It was about a year ago. Do you speak any other languages? None. Uh, <laughs> Batman or Superman? Batman. Favourite genre of music? 90s rock. Favourite song? Something from Smashing Pumpkins, I reckon. Last TV show you watched? Um, Frayed. Favourite movie? Uh, Austin Powers. Favourite sport? Motorsport. There you go. Did we make it? You made it. Oh. And you've got time to spare. That's why he's the fastest man at World Time Attack. There you go. All right, I might turn that timer off because, wow, well done, Bart. Well done, Rod. We got through a fair, fair few questions of those. Thanks Thank for you. trying out our new segment. Hopefully that was a bit of fun for you guys. Yeah. So everybody, thanks for listening to the World Time Attack Off The Record podcast made possible by all our incredible event sponsors and partners. <laughs> Of course, a reminder, World Time Attack Challenge is on April 1st to 2nd, 2022. Get your tickets now from worldtimeattack.com. Follow us on all social channels. You can find this podcast anywhere you get podcasts. So we'll see you guys next time. Thank you very much.